The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm so glad you're here today. If we did not have our faithful listeners, we, did, we wouldn't have a show. And if we didn't have a show, well, then I wouldn't get to do a show. And for me, this is always a really good thing to do every week. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy having my guests. Um, so thank you for making all of that very possible. I'd like to today give a special thanks and welcome to someone who's been our guest before, and that is Dia Michaels. Dia, welcome. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Well, Dia always is a pleasure, period. For those of you who don't know, Dia is the founder of Platypus Media. She's the author of one of my favorite children's books. And that book is called uh, If My Mom Were a Platypus. And as you notice, she's the founder of what? Platypus Media. She's going to be with us today to talk about something, though, that's not a platypus and not exactly breastfeeding, but sort of breastfeeding. And I think this is a really good time to thank Dia for bringing this to my attention. There has been more and more hype lately about the critical period of 1,000, the first 1,000 days of a baby's life. And by that, I mean from conception. So you've got like nine months right there, plus all of those other days, and it comes out to being a little more than three years old for the baby. So this 1,000 days, this is what we're going to be talking about today. And I know that you're going to really enjoy hearing what Dia has to say. But let me start with a question, Dia, about nature versus nurture. Now, when we had uh, Dr. Jennifer Thomas on, she talked about epigenetics, which, of course, is related to the environment. But I know that you have a, uh, you agree with that, I'm sure, but uh, you have a slightly different spin on that. Talk to us about nature versus nurture. Well, it's, you know, I study mammals, um, like platypuses, and <laughs> when you study mammals, there's always this question of, you know, nature versus nurture. You know, if you look at turtles, they lay eggs, they're gone, the baby turtles hatch, they walk to the ocean, and they live their lives. There is no nurture, <laughs> literally oh. no nurture, right? And so with mammals, we have this unique situation where every single mammal is born helpless. 
and every single mammal has to get to either independence if they're a social if they're a non-social mammal or interdependence if they're a social mammal and they have a journey to take and, and of course that's the genesis of if my mom were a platypus but what we're finding now about human babies is of course there's an enormous role for nurture then what happens with the environment that that baby is raised in and what happens when that baby is young affects everything. And so that first thousand days we've known is important. I mean, in California, they have first five, zero to three as a national organization. There's a lot of energy around, you know, making sure those first three years get off to a good start. Um, But what we're going to look at specifically is, not just breastfeeding, but the role of breastfeeding in developing literacy and the role of literacy in achieving throughout one's lifetime. Because there's this term called the word gap, and the word gap is the way we're describing the difference in literacy between young children who are raised in a stimulating environment and young children who are raised with less stimulation. So, Dia, one of the things that you're trying to tell us is that it's not just about genes. We all know that we all have genes and we're all born with genes. We had genes before we were born. But you're saying it's that nurturing component. And, oh, by the way, (coughs) excuse me, uh, part of that is the verbal stimulation. And um, I think you're also saying that if I want to be an advocate for literacy, I need to be an advocate for breastfeeding. And vice versa. And vice so versa. The two, are, the two are intrinsically related. And, never, and that's I what I wanted to explore. Well, we know, we know that breastfeeding is the optimal food. Sure. We know that a highly stimulative environment helps grow brains. The question is, you know, in that old, you remember the Venn diagrams from elementary school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge middle section. A huge, huge middle section. And... One of the things that the phrases that I like is, is there's no question that breastfeeding is nutrition, right? We've got that. We've got that. But brain stimulation and specifically verbal brain stimulation, talking, singing, and reading, the new buzzword for that is linguistic nutrition. Ooh, I like that. Isn't that beautiful? If you need nutrition in order to grow... You need linguistic nutrition in order to grow those literacy parts of the brain. So, Dia, I'm going to jump to the conclusion here of what you've said before. Babies are born ready to learn. How does that hitch up with the whole language bit? Well, let's look at at what you need in order to grow and move forward in that journey towards maturity. The two things you need are to have all five senses stimulated, right? And and we know from breastfeeding, we talk about skin to skin. We talk about eye to eye contact. We talk about that that when the baby's having breast milk, they're getting a whole variety of smells and tastes in the it's milk. Flavors, right? There's a whole there's a whole five sensory, full stimulative stuff going on when you're breastfeeding, right? And so, and it's the same thing with linguistic nutrition. There's singing and rhymes and, 
and being, you know, silly word games and reading and, and talking. And that is the linguistic equivalent to stimulating those senses. But I want to add a third thing, Marie, that a lot of people don't stop to think about. You need to give that baby optimal nutrition. You need to stimulate all five senses in that child with a particular emphasis on the words. But you also need to feel safe and secure Mm -hmm. and grow up willing to take risks. You remember the whole LHA slogan of roots and wings? Right, you, you want to have solid roots in that child so that when they are ready to fly, they'll be ready. I honestly didn't realize it was uh, La Leche, but I definitely agree with roots and wings, yeah. Well, that's where, that's where I learned it. Okay. Uh, so you know, La Leche is where you learn many things. Okay. <laughs> um, but the, the, part, the other thing is we know that breastfeeding relationships often are the ones that grow strong, nurturing relationships. And so if you need words, if you need nutrition, and if you need emotional safety and security, then you really can't do better than breastfeeding. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about that on other shows, too. Uh, I'm thinking about Dr. Darsha Narvaez, who talked about primal parenting. She talked about that whole... uh, To me, it comes down to... um, uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, the basic needs. Uh, so if you don't feel safe, it's really hard to be able to do other things. Do you talk to us, though, about, I think, for instance, about these people who say, well, I formula fed my kid and he came out all right, didn't he? And, you know, sometimes I have to say, well, I don't know, that might be debatable. But <laughs> I, 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 have to hold, I have to hold my tongue. But, but tell me, what is this thousand days? Is it just about the thousand days or is it really a bigger window of, of impact? Um, oh, no, no. The impact is huge, absolutely huge. Because what they have found is that the thousand days sort of speaks to w- what your school readiness is when you enter school. Um, and we know there are huge differences in school readiness between kids that have had um, verbally stimulative childhoods and verbally not. But what's also been seen is that you never recover from it. That, oh. that if you enter without the right school readiness, you end up having lower achievements for the rest of your life. So that um, we're seeing it, whether you're looking at IQ at ages 8 and 9, or you're looking at academic performance at ages 13, or you're looking at achievements in high school, all the way through whether you're looking at divorce rates, lifetime income, um, relationship satisfaction, all of that unfolds from those first 1,000 days. Oh, so this is where I really want to blame my low GRE scores on something that happened in my first (laughs) 1,000 days. Hey, hey, Dia, don't go away. Everybody else, don't go away. We're going to be right back right after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? 
Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where each week we try to bust the myths and clarify the facts Wow, have we had some facts from Dia Michaels, my guest today, where she's talking about words and breastfeeding. And I just got through saying that I never would have put breastfeeding and literacy in the same sentence, but I guess maybe I should have. So, Dia, tell us a little bit about what words do for the baby and uh, what, what if they don't have words? Talk to us about that whole idea. Well, let me, you know, I, I introduced the term word gap. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what people are meaning when they say that. Okay. Um, so, so as you know, adults, you know, caregivers, parents talk to kids during the course of a day. And they've done experiments where they've put microphones on the adults and then the machines counted the words that they said. And okay. so we're not talking about unique words. We're talking about Every day, every conversation words. So let's say one parent says, well, that's a big fire truck. And another parent says, my goodness, did you see that fire truck? That is the biggest fire truck I've ever seen. And look how many fire people are on that truck. And they're all wearing those jackets. They must be so hot in this hot day wearing those jackets. So <laughs> the way you say things can, can vary a lot in how many words you use. 
Sure, and, sure. Um, and so they've added those up. So they take the hours that the child is awake and with a caretaker, and they take the words that are said, and it turns out, I hope you're sitting down, Marie. Okay. In that thousand days, the difference between the low talker and the high talker comes out to 30 million words. You've got to be kidding me. No, just when the kid is three. That's an enormous disparity. Enormous. And so, unfortunately, it's fairly directly tied to poverty. And so what they have found is that high socioeconomic mom who's got education and probably health care and probably some security in life, um, she talks about 2,000 words per hour. Poorer mom who may be working two jobs and may be more struggling, may or may not have a partner, she talks at about 800 words per hour. And... The moms that are on welfare and at the lowest end of the economic scale talk at about 600 words per hour. So now, you, if you I, compare I, the 600 words to the 2,000 words each hour, each day, and it just adds up and up and up, and that's where that 30 million word gap comes from. That is mind-blowing. It really you, is. And when you first hear a word gap of 30 million words, you're thinking, I don't even know 30 million words. But it's not 30 million unique words. Right, it's 30 million total words. And and we're not used to thinking about that. You know, those of us who've studied for the SAT, you know, think about words, you know, and and getting tested on words. I'm thinking, for instance, that when I first started doing this radio show, I read a statistic that I found helpful, which is, the average person speaks at about 150 words per minute. So when you talk to me about how many words they've got in an, in, a, in an hour and then how many hours they've got with the baby, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, that is thinkable to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, I'm, I'm a word-based person. My entire world exists around words yes. and relationships and thoughts. This is why you're and, not a CPA. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I have the ability to get a lot of words out during the day um, and, and the ability to chatter. And what's interesting is I've talked to a number of people who work with WIC, and one of the things they say is if you say to somebody, you know, who's maybe coming into a WIC program, you need to talk to your baby, that person will more than not respond Talk about what? Yeah. Which mm. really makes a lot of sense, right? If you're not a natural chatter, chatterer, well, whatever the word is. Um, when, we, then, when we had Marcia Skripik on the show, I want to say in January or February, uh, she also is an author, and she said that when her kid was little, she would read the kid the newspaper just because she, Marcia, wanted to read the newspaper without the baby. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. She said, you know, it's then great. the baby I feels I like I'm talking. the murder and mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the baby doesn't really know those words or care about the message, but the baby is being spoken to, so she's happy. Meanwhile, Marcia gets to read the newspaper, which is what her agenda is. Right, right. Exactly. And, and so I'm thinking, yeah, I... I could totally imagine some women. 
uh, Dia, have they at all correlated this to the vocabulary of the mother or the number of books the mother reads? I mean, you, you know, you, you got to get something out of the well in order, put something in the well in order to get something out of the well. Is there any correlation there? Well, the correlation is always done to socioeconomic group, which is always connected to education. Uh-huh. So they haven't done it so much to books as to income. Um, but but let's go a little deeper, Marie, because okay. yes. it's not just quantity of words. It okay. also has to do with quality of words. And when I say quality of words, I don't mean three or more syllables. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's really five parts to this word gap thing. Um, one of them is imitation. Babies learn incredible amounts to imitation. You know, you go back to that turtle the turtle's not imitating anybody. Right? The turtle just knows what to do. But we have to learn from our environment, and we learn by watching and emulating the people around us. Absolutely. And so what they've discovered is up to 98, 98% of the words used by a child by the age of three came directly from the parent's vocabulary. Ooh. So certainly the more words the parent knows and the more comfortable a word is describing things in words, the more a child's going to have a head start. That makes sense, yes. Right. The second part is, as we talked about, just the quantity of words. But going again a little deeper, there's this thing that that I've called conversation versus command. Ooh, what's that? And that what you find is the people who chat have a lot more conversations. You know, what jacket should we wear today? Should we wear the yellow jacket or should we wear the blue jacket? Maybe we should wear a sweater. What do you think? Do you like sweaters better? They're softer, but jackets would be better in the rain, right? And they have conversations and they ask questions. Commands are get your jacket, right? put on your shoes. And so what you find is in the households where words are adding up more, they're not just adding up more, but there's more conversation. And but there's not a lot of stimulation in someone saying to you, put on your shoes. But there's much more stimulation of people saying, do you want the red shoes or the blue shoes? Right. And so that's a really important one, and it's called imperative. The more imperatives they are, the less conversation there is. Now, Dia, i got to tell you, I, I hear you talking, and I'm thinking about my own mother. She was a little chatterbox. And, mm-hmm. and I grew up to be a radio show host. What does that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next one? So the next one, is, which is, you know, a subset, is adjectives. Is it turns out the people who talk more use more adjectives. And this is where it gets really interesting. What they tell us is that kids who know more adjectives can describe how they feel. And kids who can describe how they feel can be calmer. So when you're talking about school readiness and you've got two kids and one's bouncing off the walls, and one's sitting quietly and paying attention, there's a huge difference in their use of adjectives and their knowledge of adjectives. So, Dia, would this be like sort of analogous to the adult who's had a bad day and they're just venting, so they feel better because they're venting? Is this sort of the childhood version of saying how, how they feel? Um, yeah, maybe with or without anger, but just okay. think about it. 
half of the time when you're really upset about something and you're unsettled and you can't sit still, it's because you haven't really nailed what's wrong. Right, right. And when you can name what's wrong, it's much easier to then calm down and take action. So I think it has to do with being able to put language to feelings. And when you put language to feelings, you don't have to act out. You can act upon, right. And so, so it really in, comes down to what, of, among all the words you use, adjectives are particularly important. Oh, wow. And then okay. the last one is connected to that, and that has to do with positive words. Oh, so, I want to hear this. Yeah, well, you know, have you ever been in a public place and there's a mom and she's pulling the kid by the arm yes. and the kid's crying and the yes. mom's saying, you shut up because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take you home and you're going to be in trouble. And yes, and you just want to intervene and say, yes. there's a better way to talk to the kid, but you don't know if it's your business. And, you know, it's just, you've, you've been in those situations, right? A yeah. And along, talk, yeah. along with so that, of, very right. often the mother is telling the kid that they're a bad kid, a stupid kid, a whatever, whatever, and those are all negative messages. Right, and so that's what I'm getting to is the kid who hears, you know, I didn't ask for you to be born and uh, you know, I can't go out because of you and, you know, quiet down, you're giving me a headache. That kid goes into the world with a different experience than the kid who hears, I don't know what I did before you were born. My entire world is better because you're here. You are the funniest, sweetest, kindest person on this planet. And so part of me wonders how much of it is a word gap and how much of it is a self-esteem gap. Because that positive language has a completely profound effect on how you enter the world and what you expect from the world and how the world should treat you. And, I too would wonder and about no one has, that. I haven't ever heard the term self-esteem gap used in this context, but I can't believe that's not a huge part of it. Well, certainly when you have positive-ism, or well, certainly in the adult world, we talk about positive affirmations. So it seems like the, the opposite of that would be negative affirmations, and seems like when you have negative affirmations, affirmations, you have negative self-esteem. Uh, Dia, this is all really interesting. Everybody, don't go away because I'm going to keep Dia corralled right here. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about that achievement gap because she's talked a lot about the word gap. But when we come back, Dia, uh, I want to talk about how that relates to achievement and how this all wraps up with breastfeeding. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here with my guest, Dia Michaels, author of If My Mom Was a Platypus, author of many other things, and woman extraordinaire. We will be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? 
As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where we bust the myths and clarify the facts. We've had a ton of facts today, and we've got more to come. So, Dia, can you give us the cliff notes on the achievement gap as related to the the word gap? And then I want to move into the, the piece with how it all fits together with breastfeeding. But give us the cliff notes on the achievement gap. Okay, so the achievement gap has been an issue in the society for a long time. Um, the war on poverty was, you know, when it first became front and center in the public size, and that was, what, in the 60s? Yeah, yeah. And, and now, so it's, it's a long time later, and now what do we have? We have the 1%. And the 1%... Is not only separate from the ninety nine percent, but the one percent is getting more and more concentrated. You know why? No, the one percenters only marry one percenters. Oh, right. So you've got this magnification of the concentration of the high achievers, um, and you've got everybody else, and we've lost the middle class, so you don't have as many pathways up, but. Over the years, and let's go back again to the, to the war on poverty, there's been all sorts of measures to address the achievement gap. And the achievement gap is very real. Right? People coming from certain backgrounds with certain education and certain advantages have much higher achievement. Um, and so we created Head Start, and we created Early Head Start, and we had affirmative action. We had no child left behind. We tried to reduce class sizes. We tried to raise teacher pay. We've had tried to have teacher, you know, teacher reform. Yeah, and how we've well had, did all that work? Right, right. We've had ability <laughs> grouping in schools, and then no ability grouping, so that everybody helped each other. Right. We've had all different standards that people had to achieve. Right. And and eventually, I think people have, are now coming to the thought that all of those programs, every one of them, is too late. And that unless you get to the very beginning, the damage is already done. And this is pretty profound stuff because a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of experts, you know, have been behind all of those programs. 
but the reality is they haven't worked. So, Dia, so I want to I want to yeah. understand that you're saying most of those programs start at when the kid is three years old, and you're saying we got to hit it before three years old. Right. And, right. You know, okay. Like head 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 start was a is a brilliant program, but there's a reason they came up with early head start. Uh huh. Right. And teacher reform was great in many ways, except they're already in school. So yeah. So what I'm saying is, if the damage, I mean, if the if what happens in the first three days is critical to lifetime achievement, then you can't wait till they're in Head Start. You can't wait to do ability tracking in schools. You have to go back earlier. And back earlier, the home is still the single most central part of the mm-hmm. child's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most kids learn most stuff at home. So how does the breastfeeding... quite interestingly, well, I'll say quite interestingly... There are two huge things happening in the very beginning at yeah. home. One is the caretaking, right. but the other is the feeding. <laughs> well, yeah. Right? And they're not separate. Right. Right? When you're feeding a baby, it's part of caretaking. Absolutely. And when you're feeding a baby, maybe you're talking to them or singing to them or touching them or doing other things that stimulate the five senses. So... Um, so we can't separate them. And this is where we haven't got to get as a society. We've got to the importance of the first thousand days. And there are even programs, um, you know, Miriam LeBach in North Carolina, she has a fabulous program that teaches parents how to interact with their children while they're feeding them food. But what if we go a little earlier than that, all the interaction that happens when you're breastfeeding? And it turns out that that happens fairly naturally in a breastfeeding home. So let's go back and look at what's going on in a breastfeeding home. Okay. First of all, you're optimizing the baby's physical, emotional, and intellectual growth. Right? right. You're optimizing the baby's health. So the baby is not having as many ear infections, having less diarrhea, not spending as many time at doctor visits. And it's easier to grow and learn when you're healthy. So in every way that we can understand human growth, the breast milk is getting us somewhere, right? So their, their emotional life and the security, the stability, and the feeling of connectedness, the attachment, the nutrition for stimulating the brain, and the better health. This is usually so where I say... This is usually where I say that mother's milk is food, but it's way more than food. And breastfeeding yeah. is way more than food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now what we're really trying to do, if you sort of break down what you need to do, it's not words, just hearing words. Because what happens if you say to somebody, babies need to hear words, they always come back with, well, then put them in front of the TV. Oh, right. Oh, brother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that doesn't work. So why doesn't that work, Marie? Well, I would suppose because it's only stimulating one thing, and that is, uh, well, I suppose you could see it and hear it, but why wouldn't that so there's work? there's no interaction. Oh, because there's no interaction, right. Okay. There has to be interaction. Right. And right. without interaction, the brain doesn't get stimulated as much. And so it's the thing. So again, you know, going back to imperatives and conversation versus commands. It's the interaction that invites brain stimulation and brain growth. 
So now let's look at something very biological. Statistically speaking, breastfeeding moms are calmer, happier, less anxious, and more confident. And why is that? Because they have the hormones to support those emotions. Right. They're chemically connected to this baby. <laughs> right. So they have oxytocin us. and prolactin right. feeding into this process. So now you've got a baby who's getting skin to skin, eye to eye, you know, solid nutrition, good health, and a mom who's chemically euphoric. Right? And happier moms talk more. Right? Right. So you've got a mom who's breastfeeding in the situation to be stimulating all those five senses and to promote language. So it's a really interesting thing where the breastfeeding home happens to be the home where words get used, babies get stimulated, interactions happen, and everything that we need to get that child to school readiness happens in a very natural and organic way. There's a wonderful quote from the World Health Organization. I'm absolutely sure you know it. Oh, um, and the quote what is... about the millionaire? Mil- yes. Uh-huh. A millionaire's baby fed with commercial baby formula has a poorer diet than the poorest family's baby who is breastfed. Yeah. And it's not just talking about nutrition. It's talking about the whole environment. Now, one of the ways to think about this, because obviously there are many, many wonderful women who bottle feed their children, right? I mean, we know that. And we know there are, that there are many breastfed women who are not ultimate parents, breastfeeding moms who are not ultimate parents. That's but the me. easiest way to think about it is just simply bottle propping. If sure. you're going to breastfeed your child, that child is in your arms or they're on the bed. They are next to you. They are connected to you, right? A baby who's being bottle fed, often, often, the mom or the caregiver bottle props the baby because it's really boring and tedious to feed a baby all the time. So if a baby's got the bottle propped, that means the caregiver has the freedom to go in another room, to be doing the dishes, to be talking to somebody else. And so if you just compare the mom who's cradling the baby in her arms and the mom who bottle props the baby, think about the difference in stimulation that that baby's getting. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's really important, I think, at this point to say that all moms of high, high socioeconomic status are not always fabulous moms, oh, that all moms not. who breastfeed are not all fabulous moms, and that all poor moms are not terrible moms, and that all poor moms, and that all formula-feeding moms are not terrible moms. I mean, the, the, when I talk about this stuff, I'm looking at data that's all from the aggregate. But you know, when, I, says. when I hear you talking, what I hear is all of this is modifiable. Well, yes, because words are free. Right. Breast milk is free. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. This is not where you need to, you don't need to pour money into these things. What you need to pour money into is adults being able to hang out with their kids and feeling secure enough to relax around them and be playful and sing. I don't know. You know I'm, if, you're I'm working, still... if you're working two jobs 
and you're worried about being evicted and you don't know where your next meal's coming from, you may not be wanting to do that much singing to your kid. Sure. Right? So, so it's not necessarily rich versus poor as much as stress. You know, stress and food security and economic security and, um, you know, competing demands. But then, Dia, we're right back to the being chemically connected to your baby. Because I would wager that the mother who has those stress issues is not as stressed if she's breastfeeding because she has got the anti-stress chemicals floating around her body. Well, yes, but also the woman who's around her baby long enough to breastfeed may have a partner, may have a job that she's going to go back to. Right. Right. So, So I think where this brings us is maternity leave, hmm. right? I mean, one of the biggest issues in this country is that there's only two nations in the world that don't have maternity leave. And if you want that mom home and the baby attached and the oxytocin flowing and the mom not worrying about it, having a job to go back to, she's got to have some security in the workplace. So I think this is why nobody wants to go here. Nobody wants to go here because what are you going to do if you're not going to support women? If you're not going to support women, you know, like, it's a real right, problem. Say like this, this is the ideal, why, but That's why there's funding. But think about it. There's funding for programs to teach moms to talk to their children while they're feeding them food. Funding for a program to teach mom to talk to the baby while she's home sounds a lot like maternity leave to me, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like like supporting moms at the very beginning? Well, it would seem so. But I see a big piece of patient teaching just from the get-go in here as well. Hey, Dia, would you mind hanging in? Don't go away. And everybody else, don't go away because we want to come back right after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, my guest today, Dia Michaels. Dia Michaels has done just a tremendous job of telling us how the, I, I don't want to say the nutrition, certainly, yes, the nutrition, but more than just the nutrition, all of that stimulation that goes along with it in the first 1,000 days that interaction, that uh, language development in those those first 1,000 days is not really just about the 1,000 days. It's really about what's going to go with that child for the rest of his school years and the rest of his life. So, uh, Dia, uh, that's all well and good. You've talked to us certainly about, uh, we all know how wonderful breastfeeding is, but do we have some issues here with breastfeeding initiation, racial disparities? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, there's good news and there's bad news. Um, the good news is that a lot of people in the breastfeeding world have been working very hard for years, and initiation rates are up, and duration rates are up. And so we've got... Um, some very good news when it comes to the breastfeeding foot. The bad news, um, oh, and just in case you want a number, uh, the sure. overall national initiation rate is getting pretty close to 75%. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's way up from probably when you and I started working in lactation. So the bad news is that racial and ethnic differences in breastfeeding are really significant. Um, if you look at non-Hispanic blacks versus non-Hispanic whites, there's about 20 percentage points um, difference. The greatest disparity is in the southeastern United States. definitely. Um, Yes. Yes. And then here's the other thing. The other thing is the poverty. So Uh the breastfeeding gap, I don't know if you've used that term, but the breastfeeding gap basically says that the, again, the higher socioeconomic groups have much higher breastfeeding rates than the lower ones. And we're looking at about a 19% percentage point difference there between um, moms well above the poverty line and moms at the poverty line. And um, one thing that people may not know, but fully um, half of America's babies and toddlers live in or near poverty. 
And that's, I mean, aren't we supposed to be like the richest country in the world? Aren't we supposed to be really smart and have all this technology and wisdom? Um, And so if we know that poverty diminishes brain growth because the environments around poverty don't provide the stimulation the kids need, and half of America's babies live in or near poverty, what does that say for our future? Well, it says that, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm thinking, for instance, instance, that when I do a a consult for a hospital that's trying to go baby-friendly, and there's some doctor there who says, oh, you know, we don't need breastfeeding. Uh, This is a rich country. That's for those people over there in those other countries. And I'm like, oh, fella, you need to get a grip here. And, uh, yeah, the poverty is much closer to home than what we might think. So, Dia, for yeah. those people who might not have joined us until later in the show, can you sum up what your take-home points have been today? Because you've really had a, a lot of good things to say. Um, yes, but before I do that, I want to do two things. Um, I want to give... Um, we talked about interaction and how it's not just enough for babies to hear words. They have to have the interaction in order for the brain to really go. And if people really want to know more about this, what they could do is Google still face experiment, still S-T-I-L-L, still face experiment. Um, it'll come up in YouTube. The, the researcher is uh, Dr. Edward Tronick. He is in Tom, R-O-N-I-C-K. But... If you just look at some of the YouTubes with still face experiments, you will get it. Okay, got it. <laughs> a picture's worth a thousand words, so I want to mention that. Um, the other thing is we talked earlier about my book, If My Mom Were a Platypus, and, yes. and that's, yes. that's one of my books. But the newest one um, is an early childhood book called Nurtured and Nuzzled, and it's bilingual, and it's beautiful. But in it has this very rich, simple but rich language, um, babies are groomed and guided, babies are carried and cuddled, babies are snuggled and sheltered, babies are nurtured and nuzzled. And Let I me just add he, that the illustrations are excellent. Yeah, really, really lovely. Um, but it was really working on this book, working with getting the same feel of the word for the Spanish um, part of the book because it's bilingual looking at the words that really conveyed the richness that goes into parenting. Um, You know, babies are beloved. And I think that that's really what inspired all of this research into the word gap is just how wonderful the words are in conveying feeling and emotion and and wanting to share and looking at attachment. And so working at this very simple book, actually was the inspiration for all of this research and connecting the dots into the role of language. So I just wanted to share that because it's kind of fun to know where this stuff comes from. Dia, by now i got to push you real hard to talk fairly quickly about your three take-home points. We're coming up to okay. uh, meeting right. to close take here. Take-home point number one, yes. being, poor, being poor does not condemn you to raising low-achieving children any more than being rich um, whatever the inverse of condemn is, you know, even rich, even right. being poor does not condemn you to raising low efficient, low achieving children any more than being rich assures you of high achieving children. 
Mm, I like Parents that. are individuals. Kids are individuals. There's no, there's no manifesto here that's predetermined. And all of that is modifiable. Yeah. Yup. Yes. Number two, people who work in breastfeeding promotion are in a beautifully unique position to model language and literacy skills for parents. So whether it's pediatricians or La Leche League leaders, lactation consultants, peer counselors, work, people who work in WIC, all of us have this opportunity to really help moms learn how to chat, how to interact, how to use adjectives. And that's a pretty special role that we play. Yes, definitely. And your third and one? Take number three, if you want to promote literacy, promote <laughs> breastfeeding. I love it. It's really, really very simple. If you want to promote breastfeeding, you'll make the world a better place. If you want to promote literacy, promote breastfeeding. Never would have in a million years thought that I would put those two words in the same sentence, but wow, you sure have enlightened us. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Um, before we sign off, I'd like to thank my guest, uh, my guest who has been a repeat guest, uh, Dia Michaels. Dia, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, and you're welcome. It's always a pleasure. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Now, if you're interested in the books or other media that was mentioned on the show today or even in previous shows, check out our Amazon.com store. And how do you do that? Well, just visit borntobebreastfed.com and you will see there Dia's book as well as other books from other shows that we've had. Again, I'll repeat that for you. It's borntobebreastfed.com for the books and media or check out my blog for whatever parents are listening to. You can check out my Facebook and feel free to leave a question for me or for Dia or for any of my guests. And by the way, remember to like us while you're there. Uh, if you're a professional and you're looking for a continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses uh, have tons of resources and my blog is a free resource, so don't miss that. And all of that is at my professional site, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, for those who are professionals or wanting to become professionals, catch those free resources and other things at breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do what's best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 
visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.